You're listening to the You're Such a Catch podcast with your host, Aaron, <laughs> whose journey in dating and relationships is on full display for your empowerment, education, and honestly, your entertainment too. Welcome back to You're Such a Catch. I'm Erin, and boy, do I have an interesting guest to share with you today. Before I introduce him, I want to thank you for tuning in, for dropping by and spending this time with me. If you're new to You're Such a Catch, I'm a firm believer that you're here for a reason. We discuss everything from dating and relationships to women empowerment to manifestation. And what I've learned through this process, documenting my journey on this podcast for all of you, (laughs) is that all of this, dating, having a successful relationship, being each other's hype women, and manifesting our wildest dreams, it all starts with us. And the number one relationship we have is the relationship we have with ourselves. We have to go inward. It's not always easy, but it's where the magic is, and we must have a solid foundation to build upon. If you're in need of a friend, some accountability, guidance, direction, consider working one-on-one with me. You can book a 15-minute discovery call, kind of like, you know, going on a speed date with me, (laughs) and see if we're a match. I'd be honored to help you on your journey. I'd also be honored if you joined our community, whether that be by subscribing to the podcast, joining our private Facebook group, or becoming a member of YSC Unfiltered. One of my most powerful, inspiring, and downloaded episodes was Beating the Odds with Sherry Quay, where Sherry opened up about her journey with colon cancer, what she believed caused her cancer, and how she's fighting her battle. If you want to listen to this episode, it's on season one, episode 22, which is my lucky number. I saw this week that Sherry had been at Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditation retreat. You guys, that to me was a synchronicity. She's doing the work to keep her mind right. She's staying positive and strong. And this got me thinking about our physical health. We've been working so hard on our minds. We also need to work hard and pay attention to our physical health. This is where Dr. Matt Chalmers comes in. Dr. Matt runs a holistic wellness practice focused on helping people to live healthier and happier lives. He's passionate about what he does. It's obvious he genuinely cares about his patients and people in general, and he's a wealth of knowledge. During COVID, Dr. Matt wrote the book, Pillars of Wellness, Achieve and Uphold Holistic Health, Vitality, and Longevity, a natural approach to optimizing your life now so you can be healthier 20 years from today. Today, he discusses everything from hormones to gut health to how to improve your relationship. He's not about putting band-aids on things. He's about getting to the root cause and taking action to fill of optimal health. I could have picked Dr. Matt's ears for hours. Hell, I'm considering hopping on a plane to have him diagnose all of my health issues. Remember, your health is your wealth. Make it your priority. Well, I thought we'd dive right in and start talking about hormones. (laughs) Fabulous. Let's totally do that. Yeah, because I feel like you know way more than I do, and I feel like I've got them all. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like I'm having a hot flash right now, so I opened the window. I don't know why. I mean, it's gloomy out. Maybe it's a little humid, but I do have like a sweating issue, so I don't know. Maybe you can diagnose me from afar. (laughs) We'll try. We'll we'll, we'll play that. That sounds fun. Yeah, we'll work through that. So tell me all I need to know about hormones and and what you do. So kind of give you a background of how we started this whole hormone process. We had a bunch of women come into the office and they're buying calcium and D3. And I would ask them, why are you needing calcium and D3, even though I pretty much knew? And they're like, well, we're trying to prevent osteoporosis. And so this is what our doctor told us to do. And calcium is fantastic and vitamin D is critical for all sorts of life function, but it's not what you need for osteoporosis. And so I told these women, all right, go back to your doctor, get a blood test, see where your testosterone is, and then you can get some injectable testosterone or something to get your levels back up. And they're like, okay, great. And so a bunch of these women went off and told their various OB-GYNs or primary cares that they wanted to get tested for testosterone. And this is, I don't know, seven, 10 years ago. And all these women ended up coming back and being like, my doctor told me that testosterone is a male hormone and women don't have it and don't need it, which is mm-hmm. boiling to my blood because uh-huh. I have this big issue with really, really left out women out of the medical function. 
just because there's a whole slew of stuff on that. But this is one of the big things. Without testosterone, we get osteoporosis. We get osteopenia, which is a form of osteoporosis. We get weakening of the musculature, ligaments, tendons. We have all sorts of issues with brain function, energy, sexual function. There's all these things that happen to both men and women, and yet we're telling women that they don't need testosterone or they don't need it at the proper levels. So that's kind of where everything started. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to make sure that we start checking on everything. Well, as we started checking on everything, I started getting these women in who were like, yes, I finally got on some testosterone and I feel much, much better. And as we looked into it more, we found out that they were on an estrogen testosterone mix, which what happens is a lot of docs will look at older women over the age of, say, 45 or 50 and say, well, we need to bump their estrogen levels up because they're low. Well, as long as women aren't having issues, the danger with giving a woman estrogen is that that's where all the cancers come from. So breast cancer, ovarian cancer, all those type of things. So when you look at HRT or hormone replacement and hormones, there's this big long list of of cancer issues. Those are all estrogen stuff. So if you have estrogen-based issues, so vaginal dryness, hot flashes, night sweats, headaches, joint pain, those type of things, then maybe we can talk about estrogen. But the fun thing is if you do testosterone injections, the cypionate, it'll convert to estrogen. So at the end of the day, you get one medication and you get all your hormones settled. And so that was the route we started taking everybody was, okay, now we need to bring you over here and actually run this properly. And so testosterone therapy for men has been around for a while. And mm-hmm. so we just added it to women and it's been making phenomenal changes in marriages and relationships and health and energy, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Before we talk about those changes and and what you've seen and the stories that you have to share about that. So the myths that kind of like women have behind like taking testosterone, like it's going to make me like bulk up. Like I even have a blog post from a couple of years ago where I'm like poking fun because when I was diagnosed, so we've kind of briefly talked offline about PCOS, but when I was diagnosed with that, I felt like I had like he-man strength. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm growing a mustache and like all these things because my testosterone was higher after I had my blood drawn and they were like, oh, you have really high testosterone. So I was like, well, no wonder why, you know? And it's funny because growing up, my brother would be like, Aaron, you put on muscle so much faster than I do. Like, it's not fair. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like, I want to be just thin and like feminine, but Explain that to me. So those things are like in my head, like those are, they're myths, right? I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you. Well, so the big thing you should understand is that it's all about dosage or levels, right? So if you give a woman seven, 800 testosterone levels, then she's going to look more like a man over time because those are men's levels of testosterone. If you keep a woman 80 to 150, 80 to 125, somewhere in there, that's a good solid number for a woman, but you're not going to see any what we call virilization. So you're not going to get big. You're not going to grow a beard, things like that. And so mm-hmm. the reason that myth exists is because at super high levels, it does happen. But you know, if you take one-seventh or one-tenth of that level, then it just really kind of benefits the body all the way around. So this, a lot of that stuff is a little bit of a – it's either you've been using it very poorly or – you have different goals. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And could the body naturally just be have a heightened level? And if it did naturally have a heightened level, like as, as a female, could those things come of it? Like you're saying, like if the level was high enough, that could be a thing? It 100% can be a thing where a woman has just a naturally high production of testosterone. Or what happens is they produce a decent amount of testosterone, and then for some reason the body converts a lot more of it to dihydrotestosterone or DHT, because that has a bigger influence on a variety of these things we look at as hormonal functions as Mm -hmm. well. So it can be one of those two things we see with women on a regular basis, but that's the downside to it. Right. Okay. So when you're meeting with these women and you're hearing their problems and you're making this as a suggestion, kind of walk me through that. Like, what's the reaction? And then also, the only way to take it is to actually inject yourself with it. What does that look like? There's a manner of different (laughs) ways of getting testosterone in. The only one that I personally like is the injectable. Okay. It's easier to make sure we get everything in. There's no extra chemicals like the creams have transdermal penetrating factors, chemicals in them to push it into your tissue. It's not my favorite way. Plus, you've got to do it every single night. An injection you do once, maybe twice a Mm -hmm. week, and everything's good. And then the pellets, 
I'm not a fan of the pellets because the way that they function chemically and they throw women way high and they crash out. And so there's not steady. There's not a steady state of hormones. So that's problematic. So the injectable way is the best way. Generally, when I sit down and talk to women about it, it's fatigue, low sex drive, low sex function, or they're just gaining weight and there's nothing they can do about it. So that piece is a big one because if you go to the gym and work out and you cut your calories and you do all the things you're supposed to do, but you have no testosterone, your body can't regenerate, can't do half the things you're trying to get it to do. And so it's like driving a car with only two wheels. It's just not going to get you there. Yeah. That's interesting to me. So what things are you ruling out before that? Or you're just so honed in on it now from all your time studying this and, and just seeing it kind of become a common place, right? Like, does does your mind immediately go there? Or are you like, what other things have you gone through? Because there's some things right now, like adrenal fatigue that I hear kind of as a buzzword, or just like because of the pandemic and people's mental health kind of being, we were in a chaotic time. So people are like, well, you're just not used to being social and doing day-to-day things like we used to. So that could be a reason for the fatigue. So at what point do you go, this is it? Hormone therapy is last on the list of the things I recommend for people. Okay. So the first thing that we do is we check detox organs. So how's your liver and kidney functioning? Are they functioning where they're supposed to be? Do you have any parasitic infections? Do you have a dysbiosis in the gut? So too much candida, not enough probiotic. We reset that. We repair the uh, celiac issues, any IBS issues, things like that. Uh, Rebuild the gut lining. And then we refill the adrenals and the mineral base. So your adrenals, your thyroid, and everything else stacks on top of that. If we're still having issues after that, then we look at hormones. And the other reason we do it that way is, one, if we clean out the detox pathways, fill your body with nutrients, that would mean that we should then expect to see the body doing its job, which is to produce hormones. So if then we look at it, we're like, oh, see, yep, your mm-hmm. hormones are back where they're supposed to be. Your energy's back. Everything's fine. Cool. We can move on. The only problem we run into is time. And it's a little easier with men with nutrition and supplementation, but there's a certain point where our bodies just go, hey man, it was fun, had a good time, I'm out. And we just don't produce the hormones anymore. And there's Uh almost nothing we can do naturally to to get them back up. But we do make sure that the methylated B vitamins are up, the CoQ10's up, the the minerals for the adrenal medulla is up before we go there. But like I said, time is just one of those things everybody's going to need it sooner or later. So adrenal fatigue is like a legitimate thing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about that because I'm just curious because I've heard a little bit on both sides. Your adrenals are your stress glands. So when you get stressed, they produce cortisol so that we can manage and handle the stress. So what ends up happening is we're in a neurologic state called the sympathetic state, which is fight or flight. We're in that way, way, way too much. We need to shift back from mm-hmm. a, into a parasympathetic, which is resting, digesting function to fill those adrenals back up. And since we're never really in that stress-free point. We don't ever fill those adrenals back up properly. But in order to fill them back up, we have to have high, high mineral density foods, probiotics, B vitamins, clean salt to rebuild and make all the chemicals that the adrenals need to make. So we don't get our diet right. We're never in a position where we're not stressed out. And so what ends up happening is the adrenals start to fail. And as the adrenals fail, the thyroid starts to weaken and fail as well because they work together. So now we've got a decreased nutrient absorption, decreased caloric absorption. The adrenals and the thyroid are both weakened, so we're going to be tired all the time. Mm -hmm. And then we're not going to be able to sleep very well because that's going to end up letting the liver jam up. And so now we're waking up between 2 and 4 in the morning with a dirty liver, so we're not sleeping properly. We're not producing the hormones to stay awake. So it's just pure hell from that point forward. Yeah. Oh, this sounds like my life. (laughs) I'm like, okay, fix me. No. <laughs> but no, I mean, the, these these are common things that I feel like I talk to my friends about. And when you're kind of going to Western medicine, these are not the things that they're discussing with you. You mentioned gut health as well and taking a probiotic and, and that type of thing. Like how long does it really take to reset your gut? And what are some indications that, you know, you're on the right path in doing that? That's a big question. There's lots of things involved in that. So if you have a parasitic infection, you can't restore the proper gut function because you've got too many things creating nasty chemicals and eating things. And tons of people have a parasitic infection and don't know. Really? Oh, yeah. 
So probably 80% of yeah. my practice that we test for has parasites. Wow. And then, that's a huge number. And that's from food we're just ingesting, like, you know, yep. and, we, and we just have no idea. Correct. Okay. Your, your organic foods are going to be the worst for that because people don't take them home and wash them in a good, strong vegetable wash. Mm. Since there's no pesticides or anything sprayed on them, all the pests that create parasitic problems are now glued to those foods. If you, No one's washing them until they get to your house. So if you don't wash them at your house, you're going to ingest those parasitic eggs and parasites and all sorts of stuff. So oh. that's why organic stuff has a higher uh, parasite issue than anything else does. Now, mm. the other place is that if you go out to eat, because mm-hmm. they're focused on flavor and deliciousness, not on health. And so you're going to have some other, the stuff they do, the way that the practices are, is though it's clean, it, we see more parasitic function coming from people who eat out a lot. So Got it. those two things, but we see tons of parasitic infections and they'll eat your probiotics. So if you're taking them and you're like, why is this not helping? Could be a parasitic issue. And how do you actually get rid of that then? So my favorite okay. way, the cheapest, fastest, best way is with a coffee enema. So, no shit. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. You're blowing my mind. Okay. Tell me more. All I right. want to know more. All right. So this is crazy. So here's the fun thing about coffee enemas and people, uh, people always ask me, how, how is that supposed to get to my liver? The way the body is actually built is the colon's job is to take all the water out of your fecal matter, take it back up to the liver have the liver clean the water, push the good water back out, and the waste comes back down. So that blood system is called the hepatic portal system. So if you do a coffee enema and you have coffee and a bunch of herbs in there, it takes it and takes it all the way from the colon all the way to the liver, cleans the liver, and then pushes everything back through. So if you take antiparasitic herbs a couple times a week in a coffee enema, the coffee cleans the liver so the congealed bile salts can slow out, flow out, then the herbs you put in there will kill the parasites in the liver, kill the parasites in the bowel, help to knock out some of the yeast and pull everything else out. So that's a, it's a really good, quick way of cleaning everything. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. That is crazy. And you do that in your office. I do not. Because I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are we supposed to do this at home? Yes. I teach you how to. Oh my God. No shit. We were supposed to do it at home. Oh yeah. No, I teach you how to do it, get you the stuff and then you go home and you do it. So. Oh my God. Okay. So I have to tell you a really quick story. So my best uh, gay friend and I, we decided one day we had had a few too many tequila shots and we decided that we wanted to do colonics together. I had never done it before. He had done it once before. And like for him, like it's normal, like an enema, whatever. So we go together to do this experience and we got upsold on like, it was, it felt like a Groupon deal. Like we got like three, buy one, three, get one free or something. I never finished them all because my first experience was so traumatic (laughs) for me. So he was so sweet. So he was like, I'll go get hooked up first. And he, he told how to do it, but you actually insert the thing yourself. And so after he did it, he texted me, whatever, Aaron, come in, like, it's fine. You're going to be fine. So I go in, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. I got this, right? So I get taken to my room. I figure out how to hook the thing up. I lay down and I'm feeling my stomach fill up with water. And both he and I had really bad stomach issues. Like we've just always had bad stomach issues. So we thought this was going to cure it because before that I had found some sort of ad late at night Googling and I ordered us copious amounts of bovine something little tablets off Amazon. And I was like, this is for sure will cure us. And that obviously didn't work. So I hooked myself up to the thing and he and I are texting back and forth. And the woman comes to check on me and my stomach's like filling up. And she's already told us like, you're not going to smell anything. Like it's, it's all part of the process and it's all going to come down through here. And it is weird because they have clear piping. So you can see like the waste coming out and you, and you're just like, mortified at what's coming out of your body. But she comes into my room and she's like wafting, like, oh, like there must've been like a terrible smell. And she's like, you are allergic to something. She goes into the little cabinet, pulls out like traditional bathroom spray, like cinnamon spray, coats the room and like my area with cinnamon spray. I am mortified. And so I text, my buddy's name's Aaron too. And I text him and I'm like, 
I'm like, Erin, is she like wafting the air and like spraying cinnamon spray in your room? And he's like, no. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. And then afterwards, I mean, we will never forget this. Afterwards, she told us like, do not trust a fart. Like, it's it's not going to be one. And so we waited about 15 minutes. I was pale as a ghost. Like, I think every toxin came out my body. And she kind of rubbed some mud on me. I mean, it was like kind of like, I don't know, dirt or something. She came out of a jar and she rubbed it on me. And then she kind of had me eat it, but I wouldn't eat it. So Aaron ate it first. And he's like, look, it's fine. So I don't know. But anyways, I never finished my other ones. But I mean... I guess I'm willing to try a coffee enema if it's going to help me. (laughs) Long story, even longer. I mean, I guess that's the moral of the story. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. And I don't think I've ever been the same since. Like my stomach, you know what I mean? That was the greatest story. I'm sorry. That was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. I mean, true stories. No, it's... uh, True stories. And and we did this as a day date together. That's awesome. No, the the coffee in it was gravity fed, so it's a lot, a lot more. It's a lot gentle, more gentle than, okay. than the colonics. But um, yes, yeah, that's that's highly professional. To yeah, the can of <laughs> can of spray. That's well, I was just like mortified too because she's like, it's not gonna, you know, like in all the things, you know, she's like, you're not gonna smell anything. It's not like you're going to the bathroom. You know, there's like a tube in, and I was like, oh god. But then I was like. Ooh, what am I allergic to? I mean, if she was right. And I have heard. So do you do that um, as well? Do you do like food allergy testing? We do it two ways. I do it with, there's a blood test that works really well. um, But I prefer to use muscle testing because if you come in, so if you come in and you say, hey, I don't know what it is. I I ate something last night. I ate a pizza last night and it has all these things on it. Which one is it? I can go through real quick and test five or six things and be like, okay, it's this one. You can't have anchovies or whatever. But the cool thing is, is that you can test everything individually and people will be fine with this and with this, with X and Y, but they can't have them together. Ooh. And so you say, look, you can't have these two things together anymore. So that's another really cool thing that people have. So this is what we you see in a blood test. It's like lots of little yellows. Okay. Is that things stack. You might be able to have bread or cheese or oregano or garlic or say chicken individually. But if you had all those things together, like a pizza, well, now all of a sudden you blow up. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things we do for that. And then we have waveform technology that we use to kind of help the body cope with different foods so that the allergies are greatly reduced so that your body can actually mm-hmm. handle them better. So yeah, we, we do a ton of food sensitivity, food allergy, uh, and food remediation here. Cause it's, if the things you're eating are toxic, you can't get healthy. Right. And does your body change? Like I've heard you might be able to eat something today that in three years or something, it's going to have an effect on you. Like, do you know what that time frame is? Or is that a legitimate statement that something that you, you know, your body's okay with today, might it might not be okay with later? That's a real thing. We have a lot of people who, as they're getting older and their bodies are kind of starting to break down. We start to see food intolerances that they've never had before. But the other thing that we see is that sometimes you had a little bit of an issue and it just got a little bit worse. Okay. That's another issue that we see every once in a while, but they definitely can get worse as you get older. Yeah. It's so fascinating because it's like there's so many different things and they all have to come together and it's almost overwhelming. You know what I mean? And especially not necessarily right now because we have been like, well, at least in my neck of the woods, we've been slowed down quite a bit, right? So more of us have been cooking at home and once groceries and all of that was replenished. And I think like LA is always like a spot where people are trying new and hip diets or they're on a cleanse or they're on a fast. I'll tell you, like, I tried to do keto for three days and I was sicker than a dog. I mean, like vomiting super duper sick. But at the same time, I started thinking to myself, like, this is crazy. Like, I am eating so much fat and so much, like, meat, you know what I mean? And so now I'm kind of (laughs) 
on this journey where I'm trying not to eat too much meat at all. Like I'm, I'm trying to eat meat like maybe one or two days a week and the rest just really try to eat vegetables. Like, but it's crazy because the marketing and all the like gimmicky stuff. And if you've been struggling with something for a long time, which I think that type of marketing plays on people's vulnerabilities and self-esteem and all of that. And so you're like, oh, well maybe that'll work. So I'll give it a shot. And your body's just like, oh my God, like last week we were no carbs. This week we're carb cycling. You know, now we're on a juice cleanse. Like, what are we doing? You know, well, the thing that I like to make sure everybody understands is that there isn't a diet for people. People are so mm. unique. We're so diverse. The idea that everyone needs to be carnivore or everyone needs to be vegan. You can't make that statement and have it be accurate. So one of the things is that, you know, you and your best friend might look exactly the same, but you have a different somatotype. So you're heavy meso and she's endo meso. And so what ends up happening is that if you ate the same diet, one of you would gain a bunch of weight and the other one wouldn't. And so Mm. if you're like, well, I'm going to do the diet that Marcy's on because she's lean, that might be the wrong diet for you. And so you gain a ton of weight. So one of the things that people need to understand about the carb thing is that there are really only two fuel sources, fat and carbohydrates. If your body runs on carbohydrates and you give it fat, you're not going to like what happens. It's going to be all sorts of gut issues. It's going to be all sorts of problems with liver issues and stuff like that. But if your body is designed to run on fat and you give it carbohydrates, it's going to end up storing all that as adipose tissue, as fat. So that's kind of the difference. It's the, it's the diesel mm-hmm. or unleaded kind of thing. They work great in their, their specific engines, but they don't work great uh-huh. mix match. So that's one of the big pieces we got to figure out. And that's a somatotyping issue. And that, that's not terribly difficult to do. Oh, really? To figure out? Mm-hmm. which way your body functions. And it's not like eating for your blood type. It's something more personal to just you. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of a, and you can, you, you can look this up, the somatotyping between ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. And if you thought about a friend eating a donut, would yeah. you gain weight? Uh-huh. If you do, then you're more of an endomorph when you take all the sugar out of your diet and you do great on keto. If you're like, I can eat anything and never gain an ounce, your ectomorph. And so if you want to gain muscle, we have to give you tons of sugar for that to function. So that's kind of the setup for the different body types. Oh my gosh, you're fascinating. I could talk to you all day, just keep picking your brain and be like this, 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 and this. It's crazy. So how did you get into this? And how do you, like, you obviously have a huge passion for it. I'm just interested because oftentimes now, I mean, I don't know if this is everybody's experience, but I've spent my fair share of time in and out of the doctor's office, right? But mostly Western medicine, especially when I had some really bad gut issues. I mean, I was at the best doctors in Cedars and trying to figure out what in the world was wrong with me. But I felt like I was just kind of like a number, like, oh, in and out. And I I didn't really feel like they cared or they really kind of took the time to really hear me out on what my symptoms were and the problems that they were causing. And and almost when you're seeing multiple doctors at the same time, I felt like even when I would go do my own research, some of the medicine that they were prescribing almost, you know, contradicted one another. And so I'm like, oh, I'm taking this, but like this guy gave me this and like together just didn't seem like the right combination. There's a lot of that. And so there's a lot of patients that I work with where I'll be in charge of their entire care. And so I'll be like, okay, we're going to do all of your Western medicine heart tests, the Doppler ultrasounds, the calcium CTs, the sticker stat. And then, so I'm like, okay, we're going to do these. And then I'm going to talk to our cardiology team and figure out, make sure everything's good back and forth. Your hormone things are here. I'm doing all your nutrition. And so you kind of get one guy to coordinate everything. Mm. You're like the quarterback. I know enough about everything to know the right person to get you to, to make sure that that thing is covered. And so that role kind of developed under the, it's just whatever I see in the market that's not there, that's just kind of where I've been going. And so the one person to kind of quarterback all your care wasn't there. And then we had a a couple of the other things. And so the way we got to where we are now is just finding those things and finding the best people to work on it. So. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love that philosophy of you kind of just being the one person that talks to the patient, but then you knowing exactly, because I feel like you're very trustable. Is that a word? Trustable? Like, 
I like it. Like, I feel like I, I feel like I would be like, okay. I mean, you have no choice kind of but to trust the doctor. You know, at the same time, you got some things going on in your, in your head and you're like, all right, well, let me go down the rabbit hole of Googling and, and trying to do your own research. And like I said, kind of pin it together. One of my close girlfriends, she just graduated from PA school. And so anytime I go do anything where I get any sort of test results back, I'm like, hey, Katie, I was like, can I send you my labs? Like, can you read them to me? Because also, you know, you get the stuff back and then sometimes they'll just write you a little message through the portal and be like, looks good. And it's like, well, it might look good on paper, but I don't feel good. So you know what I mean? And so that's tough when you don't know how to read it. I work with a lot of athletes. And one of the things that I always tell people is that you never take a twin turbocharged W12 Ferrari engine to a Toyota Corolla specialist. Mm -hmm. The Corolla guy's great, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't work on Ferraris. And so I'll look at blood work for an athlete, radically different than normal docs will. So like a normal person who sits in front of a computer could have a 300 creatine level in their blood. An athlete's going to have 3,000. A lot of doctors will see that, that disparity and think that you just had a heart attack and everything's terrible and horrible things are going on. So you have to kind of understand that piece. So there's a lot of times where someone comes in and says, I felt terrible. I went to my doc. Here's my blood work. And they either didn't pull the right labs or the labs they did pull, they let the lab doctor for them. So what ends up happening is it's like, well, you're in the range of all these things, so you must be okay. So, okay, well, sometimes you can look at those different things and say, well, if you're all these things are all the way to the right, one out of 10, they're all nines, that's a problem. We need to do something about that. So there's a little bit of that as well. So when you start looking for like a functional med doctor who looks at things in a broader scope that might help you with what you're trying to find. Wow. So do you recommend that people seek out a homeopathic doctor at a certain point? Or like, do you think everybody should should be exploring that option if they're able? Because here's the hardship. I mean, we already know that healthcare is tough depending on your situation. Like I know for myself, I lost my corporate job during the pandemic. And so now I'm paying for my own healthcare, which is a whole different animal than having corporate insurance plan or whatnot. But what I've noticed in the past and my deterrent from seeking homeopathic help is that it's typically paid completely out of pocket. Now, in hindsight, paying out of pocket to (laughs) prevent all these different doctor's visits and all of that might make sense if I know and trust and believe that somebody can help me in a different way. But how do you tackle that for people who are limited with their funds and insurance? So. There are some guys that you can follow. I'm trying to answer as many questions as I can, Facebook groups and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I love that. You you are just so giving of your time, huh? I can tell. I can tell. Well, I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning. And so there's a good chunk of time where I can go through and answer questions. And the fun thing I like about questions is because I'm, I'm an, an internal nerd, is if I get a question I don't know the answer to, it gives me something I get to go research. So Ooh, okay. it is giving by answering questions, but I, I like them because they help me learn. There's sites you can go to and you can get information from people. I'm trying to build my website. We're doing brain diagnostic uh, testing for mm. concussions and for brain trauma and things like that on there. We'll have You can order your own blood work. But I'm going to go through and I'm going to explain, here's what all these things mean. You can then kind of look these things up and get a better idea. But there's a lot of good information just out. Marcola has some good stuff every once in a while on nutrition. There's a couple other ones. Looking stuff up, like you said, Googling stuff making sure you have the information. I love it when my patients do that because it shows me that they care and they're more informed. So I would tell you to just kind of take it in your own hands. There's enough information out there to to get it knocked out. The only downside to that is sometimes you then start to self-diagnose and that can take you on a very wild ride. I mean, I can't even tell you all the things that I think I've had (laughs) because I'm like, oh, for sure, this leads to that and that leads to that. And all of a sudden I have whatever. Now, I don't know if you know about this and I don't know a ton about it. I've recently started to research it based upon my own health and also listening to some podcasts of people I really admire and look up to. But obviously in LA, plastic surgery is a big deal. And you know, a lot of people have a lot of procedures done. And there's been this wave of women removing their breast implants from breast implant illness. 
I'm like, oh, is this a thing? You know, I look it up. I look at all the symptoms and things that people are experiencing. I just had a conversation with one of my close girlfriends the other day. I didn't even know she had them and took them out. She's like, hands down, like it's, I feel night and day. Do you ever have women who come in complaining about certain symptoms and have it lead back to that? Oh, all the time. Yeah, that's that's a real thing. Oh, absolutely. So what ends up happening is somehow, some way, plastic surgeons get really antsy about this because they have to get something inside the breast cavity that creates a minor infection. And so something happens where there's a minor infection and it just sits there and, and starts growing and rotting. And so you have all this toxic waste being poured into your body from this toxic focal point. And the longer it's there, your body has a harder and harder time clearing it out. Mm -hmm. And so you just start getting more and more toxic loads. So you don't sleep well, the brain doesn't function as well. And so it just feels like you've got a bunch of wet blankets on you kind of holding you down. And so when you take that out and you clean everything out, if you've seen some of these breast augmentation implants when they come out, some of them are covered in black and they're they're all messed up. Once you get that stuff out, the body can then start catching up, clearing everything, and this is women feel a whole lot better. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you get them done, they do suggest like, oh, you get them replaced every 10 years or whatever, right? But I mean, I, I statistically, I don't think women are doing that. I think they're just like, oh, I'm fine. Like, you know, keep going or whatever. Now, when you're going through a process, when a woman comes in and you're you're determining whether it's hormone or whether it's gut or whether it's whatever, like how do you actually determine what the root cause is? Or do you just kind of pick one, treat for that, and then kind of rule out from there? I sit, sit people down. We obviously have a consult and consult about what's going on. And then we'll do the muscle testing. And the muscle testing gives me this very broad 30,000-foot view of where their health is. And so we can go through and say, this normally happens, then this, then this, then this. And then we start just kind of eliminating those things. So we rebuild the body from the base up. So is your meridian system damaged? Do we need to repair that? That's first, that's communication. Then liver and kidneys, we don't have any detox reactions. Then we go after parasites. So it's it's that progression. And usually when people come in, they have so many things that are wrong that we're just like, look, we're just going to build you all the way back up. It's not that you have E. coli, it's you have 16 things. Oh my and gosh. so we'll build you all the way back up. Right. Wow. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. So with the focus on women, you kind of briefly mentioned it. You felt like women were kind of being neglected in the medical realm. Will you go into some more detail about that? Because I do think that's really fascinating because I I never really recognized that until we kind of had our conversation before being, you know, recorded. But I was like, oh, he brings up some very valid points, you know? The top ones that irritate me are we have 26, 27, 30-year-old women who are giving birth, going home, and because no one taught them how to do pelvic floor strengthening and that type of thing, now they sneeze and they pee on themselves a little bit. Yeah. So if any of your friends are 30 and have said, yeah, I've done that after I had kids, it's because no one said, hey, by the way, in this law, it's not like we get pregnant today and have a kid tomorrow. There's, a, there's some yeah. time. We could sit down and mm-hmm. teach how to strengthen your pelvic floor, but nobody does. That's a piece that irritates me because you're like, do these four exercises, squats and bridges and planks, and you'll be good. Nobody takes that time. Then women, female athletes, their femurs pitch in 30% larger than men's. And that's why they blow their ACLs out all the time. But nobody teaches hip function and pelvic resetting to prevent women from doing that. So there's so many female athletes. There's doctors I get in here who are like, oh, yeah, I remember something about that. But we don't take the time to explain it to women so so that we can take better care. It's things like that that are Mm -hmm. easy to fix. It's just we haven't apparently really been either the market wasn't a bit. I can't. I'm, I'm still having figuring out why because the information's been there. Why we didn't start making sure people knew. Three hundred forty thousand women a year die from heart attacks, and only forty thousand from breast cancer. And we spend all of our time and mm. talking about breast cancer when we should be at least mentioning, hey, why don't you girls get a calcium CT because you guys have heart attacks yeah. too, and we can prevent some of that death. So just little things like that that I've noticed that it's a little bit irritating, but. Yeah. Can you tell me some success stories too about women that you've helped and how it's kind of not only helped them, but also helped their relationships? 
Yeah. So I just talked to one of my uh, concierge patients and they've been doing really well and they've been, you know, oh, thanks and thanks. But I was like, man, I haven't talked to these guys in a while. And I was like, I hope everything's, you know, going great. And so she sends me a text and she's like, hey, can I get some some ED meds for my buddy, for my, for my husband? And I was like, I was like, yeah, we can, we can set that up. I was like, why? And she's like, well, she's like, you fixed all the energy problems. And so we've, 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 now he needs to get worked on. We were working with her to get her energy and libido back. And it uh, apparently worked really well. It was outstripping the guy now. So that's, that, that was, that was fun. We've had lots of celiac and IBS Mm -hmm. stuff. It's been, it's been helpful. And the other big one that we've, we've done that has probably been the best thing for the marriages is the is the sex function stuff? So, like, I had a woman come in. Uh, she's fifty five, not very old. Been on, uh, but was fixed her testosterone levels. And about two months later, she comes in. She's like, I had the first orgasm. Wow, I've had in five years. And she's like, Why didn't you tell me that the testosterone was going to allow me to have orgasms again? And I was like, That's a really good question. I don't know why I didn't mention that to you. <laughs> Under promise, over deliver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so. Most women are awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they understand that, you know, they can take one for the team. And, you know, if they don't really want to in the relationship that, you know, but if the libido comes up and so everybody's more mm-hmm. engaging in it, it always impacts the relationship in a positive manner. So there's a lot of relationship issues that are based around the lack of sex. And so if both people are on the same kind of energy level or both kind of on the same position where it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're good to go then that at least eliminates that piece of the relationship issues. Yeah, it's funny because as I'm hearing you talk, I'm really thinking about all the times we just put a Band-Aid on an issue. Because I spend a lot of time talking to relationship experts, relationship coaches, and sometimes I kind of cringe at things that other people say, but I'm sure it works for a certain pocket of people. But saying like, okay, a relationship is happening and they're not having sex. And so like a relationship expert might suggest, well, you need to schedule sex. You need to put it on your calendar and you need to have that outlook reminder and da da da. But that's a band-aid to make the action happen. But like it doesn't take into consideration the root cause of why it's not happening. Like, sure, both parties are probably really busy, but if we have an energy depletion on one side or the other, or as you're mentioning, it could be on both, or we have an issue with hormones being imbalanced, there just not being a desire to do that. Scheduling it doesn't make it, it might make it happen, but it's not enjoyable. And like, I think the two biggest reasons people break up or get divorced are money and sex. If there is a way where it's like a win, 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 why would you not want to explore that? And I mean, if you're telling me that somebody who is 55 is finding success with this process, I mean, I think that's fabulous. I think that's great. You know what I mean? So I'm all for it. I'm like, okay, sign me up. No, just kidding. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it, it's I I really think the work that you're doing is is helping, and I think it's needed and necessary. And again, I love that you care and that you're willing to kind of offer your expertise at such a granular level where you can kind of access you and ask you questions and seek advice and your expertise. I think that's awesome. Tell me about your book. I'm excited about your book because I think I'm going to have to go read it right now. It was one of those things that, you know, like I said, I get up at four o'clock in the morning. And so during COVID, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have, don't have as many patients to deal with and other things. So I wrote the book and it's actually kind of funny because I like to tell people that obviously it's a book I like because I wrote it, but it has all the little things I talk about, how gallstones are not a real thing. They don't really exist. They're liver stones. So the hormone things and like all the different little things on, on all that stuff. It's been one of those fun things that we just kind of knocked out and got to put all my uh, little tidbits in. Awesome. So it's basically just a compilation of the issues that you see the most that were the most mind-blowing to you. And you're like, okay, I'm going to dispel this myth or I'm going to basically lay out the ground you know, rules of what this issue is and, and what people might think it is, but like really go and explain it's not what you think. There's a big piece of that. And then I wanted just to explore the 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 four pillars of each individual person. So the, what's your biochemistry doing? Is your body moving properly? What's your psychology telling you and doing? And what's your spiritual peace telling you and doing? And so 
that's when we start putting everything together. So like you say, mm-hmm. you could come in and say, oh, I think I have an issue over here. But it's like, well, you've got the reason your shoulder's messed up is because you've got the biochemistry is also screwed up. And then we've got, because you, you're shy, you're curling in. So we have multiple different pieces we got to unpack to get you all the way back where you need to be healthy wise. So yeah, it's often multiple mm-hmm. things. Awesome. Why do you wake up at four? Why 4 a.m.? I'm just curious because I think successful people have certain routines and they, you know, implement certain things in their life. And I always find it curious to know the why behind it. So I had to fit my fasting cardio in. And so I get up and do that in the morning. And what does that look like? I'm just curious. Is that walking, running? Oh, it's, yeah, I walk uphill. I don't like to run, but I'll, I walk. So I got a treadmill and I put it in a three and a half incline and walk up for about 45 minutes. That's that piece. And we do a little bit of core stuff just okay. for fun. And then I'll come in and- For fun. He says for fun. We do we do core work for fun. Okay. That's right. You get to, sometimes you get to choose. Is this a chore or is this for fun? And if you keep telling yourself it's for fun, one day it might be fun. You'll believe it. Okay. Yes. Oh, I love how it. you frame things in your mind. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, and so I'll go in, and that's when I have time to answer my emails, go through and make notes on patient files, do this, do this, do this, and then I can write Facebook posts and stuff like that. So I have a little bit of time before the world wakes up and goes crazy for me to do that type of stuff, so I can kind of catch up and get a little bit ahead. So that's that's why I wake up at four. Mm-hmm. And do you go to bed at a certain time or the same time every Close. night? Close. So my kids are young. I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, and so my wife and I will take turns. We'll lay down with one of them until they fall asleep. And then we'll, you know, the next night we get the other way. And what ends up happening is that I can be super full of energy and I go lay down uh-huh. with my kids. And by the time they fall asleep, I've fallen asleep too. And so now I'm like exhausted. And so yeah, right. I go to bed about 30 minutes after my kids do nine-ish, 9.30-ish. So I'm still getting a lot okay. of sleep, but it's, yeah. it's shifted down a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet that you have like a bedtime ritual with them too. I mean, that's so special. You know what I mean? Like, they, like I just love that. I think that's great. Sleep is one of those things where I think the older I get, the more I really try to figure out how to get that good quality sleep. And one thing I've noticed is like, I haven't remembered a dream in a very long time. And so I've been doing all the things to try to like put myself into that deeper rim sleep. So I got the weighted blanket. I take a little sleep tincture before I go to bed. I turn the fan on. (laughs) I mean, I got the whole routine with the eye mask and everything. So it's dark, but man, I can't remember a dream to save my life. Are you dreaming every night? Not every night, but mostly I remember dreams every couple nights. So dang, I'm jealous. I don't, I I mean, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm like, okay, Aaron, you can, you can figure this out. So I keep adding little, (laughs) just putting band-aids on So make sure you're getting in methylated B6, B2, and GABA, and that'll help. GABA. Okay. Okay. Interesting. That's that's awesome. Yeah, you're going to diagnose all my stuff on this call, and everybody's going to be like, oh, I have that, and they're going to know what to do. I have one last thing to ask you about that um, has also been kind of a buzz and uh, uh, regarding the digestive health, and that's SIBO. Are you familiar with SIBO? Yeah, true SIBO is really bad. What we'll oftentimes have to do is, by the time we get a hold of these people, you basically have to bleach the gut out. The invasive bacteria that's in there is so bad that oftentimes you've got to go in with antibiotics and wipe everything out, and then go back through with real powerful anti-yeast stuff, the diflucan, nystatin, hold the yeast down while you repopulate and rebuild the gut. So, But yes, SIBO is one of those things where it's the step up from high gluten intolerance. A lot of people, when they get SIBO, it's it's fix me or kill me. It's bad. Yeah. I've had it three times and my father has it right now and he's just miserable and I feel so bad. So as we were talking, I felt my mom in like in my ear going, you better ask him, you better ask Dr. Matt about SIBO or else she was going to pick up the phone and be like, Aaron, I know you have this number and like call you after. So mom listens to every podcast because she's my biggest fan and cheerleader. So I just knew she would beat me if I... (laughs) If I didn't ask, but yeah, I mean, maybe I should have my dad reach out to you because 
it's been really a tough journey. And it's interesting because even though we both were diagnosed with the same thing, I did the three rounds of antibiotics. And I mean, over a course of time, it was probably over the course of a year and a half or two years in which I took those things. And the doctor had told me like I could have gotten a parasite when I went to India. So I went to India for you know, like a study show, but it was years ago. And I thought that was fascinating too. He was like, oh, they can live dormant. And then, you know, all of a sudden rear their ugly head. And I was like, whoa, who, like, I had no idea, but like my father hasn't traveled outside the country in, in years. It's just interesting how the body works and the things that happen and then how he has responded to SIBO versus the way in which my body did. So the antibiotics didn't really do anything for him. When we see stuff like that, those are the guys that want to get in and get tested muscle test quickly because if we can start killing like a heavy parasitic infection, which antibiotics won't kill parasites, which is why Lyme's disease is so hard to beat with antibiotics. Mm. So you kill the parasite and then the damage the parasites are doing, which can oftentimes be on a microscopic scale. Once we get those out, everything will kind of cycle back down and heal. If, he's, if he had the SIBO, and then did the SIBO protocol and it did no good, he's one of the guys I usually end up working with. So feel free to have him call me. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be happy to. I will. I will. My mom is like, you know, I see her like cheering in the corner <laughs> with her AirPods and listening to this episode. <laughs> so if other people too want to uh, work with you, want to reach out to you, want to give you feedback, ask you questions, that type of thing, how do they contact you? How do they get your book? All those fun things. Chalmerswellness.com is the official website. And then you can get to the Seawell store from that. But all my social stuff is under Dr. Chalmers One, the number one. The Facebook group, the Chalmers Wellness Group Facebook group, that's where I post I post the most on that and talk through there. So you guys can get a hold of me all those different ways. But yeah, no, and then you can get the book from I think the website and the store and it's on Amazon. So yeah, Pillars of Wellness. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to get my copy today and I'm going to give you my feedback. So this won't be the last you've heard of me. <laughs> well, good. I know. I definitely enjoyed this. I thank you so much for your time and just sharing your knowledge and just being you. Like you're you're just a ray of sunshine. And I love that you're so giving of the information and, and you're just out there helping people. And the world needs that right now, you know? Well, it makes me feel good to help people, so. It's a two-way street on that one. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to your Such a Catch. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Dr. Matt as much as I did. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rate or review or sending me an email with your thoughts to Aaron at yoursuchacatch.com. If Dr. Matt resonated with you, consider purchasing a copy of his book and optimizing your life now so you can be healthy 20 years from today. Oh,